Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to another Ripflix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today's guest is Lucy Bride, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Lovely to be here. And uh, we've come to talk about your film, Body of Water, which is your first feature and is available wildly, yep. wildly? widely on uh, all digital <laughs> platforms to rent and buy, and yep. is now coming to Sky Movies in May, you said? Yes, I think it's May. It should be May. Okay. Yeah. Um, and before we go into details, do you want to give us a brief synopsis to what Body of Water is about? Sure. Uh, Body of Water follows Stephanie, who's a war photographer, and she, come, she comes out of uh, rehab for uh, chronic anorexia uh, in the run-up to her mother's wedding. Um, and she's trying to reconnect with her family, but mostly her teenage daughter Pearl who she's become estranged from so it sort of follows the uh, lead up to the wedding and the stresses and strains on those relationships. What for you was the was the kernel of the idea that led to the film we see today? Uh, well I had issues of eating um, for a, most pretty much my entire 20s and it varied from like anorexia to sort of yeah, not yeah. It wasn't even bleeding. It was just a very, very strange patterns around food, um, and yeah, I was very unhealthy for quite a long time, and also just sort of became quite detached from my friends and my family. And I was going, I was, I mean, I was going through a lot in, personally at that time. Like my parents were getting divorced, and it was really messy and all this sort of thing. So. Um, and I was living in China and I was very, uh, I was pretty wild as well. So it's like, you know, um, doing a lot of cool stuff, but then just, I think that was one of my ways of coping with it. And also just um, keeping some semblance of control when all felt else felt like, I, you know, that's what it's about really. Um, so there was that. And also I'd seen 
I'd seen other people in my family, older women, um, have this problem, not to the point where they were in a clinic, and I was never in a clinic either, but to the point where it's severely affecting their lives, but they won't, they wouldn't do anything about it. And I, you know, kind of got over it and I'm totally fine now, but pretty much, but like, um, I had seen obviously members of my family, as I say, live with this thing their whole life. And I was like, well, that happens a lot. And the more I talked about it with people, with mostly anecdotally with friends, um, the more I kind of saw that, yeah, okay, this is something that, and also it, it's not just women, it's men as well. And, you know, other gender identities, but, you know, so it's it's something that I think has been particularly pigeonholed as being a, a problem of a certain certain demographic and that you get and then you get over it and that's it. It's not it's so much more complicated than that. And it's so much more delicate. And um, that's why, you know, when I started out this project, it actually started life as a short film. And the short film was about the Stephanie character, this woman in her 30s. Um, and her daughter, who was at that point a lot younger than the final character of Pearl, had made her birthday cake and she couldn't eat it. And it was just about that moment where, you know, she's trying to do this thing because it's a sign of love, um, but she can't follow through with it. So that, that was the sort of genesis of it. And then from that, I thought, oh, you know, there was so much, so much more to unpick. So that it expanded and then it became a feature, a feature script. And then it was selected by Film London for development. So um, that was sort of how it that was sort of how it progressed in the really early stages. I was going to say. So in terms of then taking that forward as a feature idea as opposed to a show, what what and, and given you were drawing on your your own life experiences as much as anything else, as much as sort of seeing what wasn't being done in the media in terms of the way it was portrayed, what for you then became the storytelling challenges during the script development phase? So I wrote a draft and then. The, it was very early draft that I had written. Got we sent into to Film London, and then they picked it up, and then they developed it. So we had kind of quite high level input from a really quite an early stage in the development process, which was good. But all the time, I think there was a lot of um, you know understandable anxiety around how it's that fine line between you want to explore something authentically that's complicated and challenging. But you don't want to trigger, you don't, you don't want to like, you know, you're not trying to like push people down a spiral again. Like, so you don't want to trigger off people that have had these experiences. So there's all this sort of complexities going into it. Um, I would say that was a huge, that was a huge challenge and in going into it. I knew, like the, like we had to sort of justify, I had to sort of talk about how I was going to portray this in a sensitive way many, many times. And that was completely understandable, as I say. Um, but to the point where I was like talking about how I wanted to shoot it and always I'd, I, I'd envisaged it the way it, it came out, which was sort of very stripped back, but not in her face at all for the most part. Um, just letting, letting it sort of play out and not, um, you know, not sort of, I guess, fetishizing or exploiting or being too, um, I guess, yeah, glamorizing it really. No, no. I mean, I think one of the one of the one of the one of the brilliant things about your film is that it's it's almost like it's just it's you you you. And this isn't to downplay it at all. This is like you 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 use it as an obstacle in her life to what she wants, which is obviously a relationship with her daughter and a relationship with her mother that functions somewhere along the normal spectrum. But there's this thing that 
she doesn't control that rears its head when whenever she gets it's almost like she makes a she makes she takes the one step forward and three back it's always like that seems to and, and I thought that was a it was like a rhythm of the film it felt like watching. yeah that's a really that's a really important point and it it does it does have a very kind of specific rhythm and it's a quite an uncomfortable rhythm and I think we're kind of forced into a position of like the the way it's shot does put you in this place of watching her and the three scenes where she's eating are intentionally like really long. They're really kind of uncomfortable. And um, I think it's just sort of trying to sort of say, you know, this is what it's like to live with this. And it's not, it's not vanity. It's not. Um, and I think that's, a, that's a, that's something a lot of people don't get, I think don't quite understand is that it's not about vanity. It's not about saying about, you know, you're beautiful or not. It's, it's so much more layered than that. Um, but yeah, that, that was diff that's, yeah, that was, that was uh, tough. And then the, the, yeah, the, the other challenge was, yeah, just sort of, um, making sure that it was sort of explored, um, you know, I, I'd done enough research cause obviously I'm drawing on my own experiences, but that's not universal. So there was a lot of that went into it, but I think that, I think that paid off, um, in the end. Outside of your own experience then, what, what did you find that you, it was important for you to learn about eating disorders that, that helped you portray it the best you could. Um, quite. I mean, my experience sort of felt after I dug more deeply and I went in, I went and had a lot of, um, set, I, I went to visit a particular clinic. They were very kindly let me visit. Um, and that was, uh, not an NHS clinic. That was a private clinic. The NHS clinics wouldn't let me go. Um, obviously they let, um, people like, uh, Louis Theroux go, <laughs> but they didn't let me go. So I went to, I went to one and there was one particular person I spoke to who had, she was the same age as me at the time. So she was about 32 and she'd be going in and out of this place, not this place specifically, but out of these sort of places since she was 16. And so she spent her, most of her, like pretty much all of her adult life in that way and it was so tragic um and she'd her body was so ravaged and we and it was just i think it was just the fact that we were the same age and i'd done so many things despite having my everyone's got their shit you know especially in your 20s but like you know i was so shocked and saddened by her that i was like oh yeah this is what it's like when it's basically it's just you're never going to, you're, I, I could, I looked at her in the eye and I thought, you know, you're never going to, you're never going to get over this, are you? Because you don't, this is all you know. Um, and that to me was incredibly moving. And so that's sort of, that was something that I, when, when I left that day, I was really kind of like really thinking about a lot afterwards and how, yeah, not everyone gets to get over it. Um, and that's a huge part of recovery and nobody really likes to talk about that. And the narratives that were fed are, are, you know, particular, um, kind of, yeah, this, you know, everyone kind of gets their second chance or they can, you know, put it to bed and hopefully yes, but failure is a huge part of, of it. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause I must admit, I mean, just in terms of learning, learning stuff, watching your film, I wasn't, I wasn't familiar with the idea of rehab in the sense of like, I'd imagine alcoholism or drug addiction being yeah. treated. That was certainly yeah. an eye opener for me watching the film. Yeah. 
And then that plays yeah. into what you just described there about that that young woman's experience is that you don't all get to be distanced from the thing that you're, that, that's, that's, that's causing your problems. And it does have all these complicated, and it's also just like family relationships. It can't not affect them. And this woman, that the woman in the clinic's mum had obviously been through it all with her from the very beginning. And, you know, how difficult for her to look at her daughter and just think, you know, she's, she's never really got, she's probably never gone on holiday. You know, she's never done a lot of no, like normal things. And it's, yeah, I just felt, and that I think was also like, you know, as much as the secondary characters in Body of Water are complicated and not necessarily, you don't always sympathize with them. But I think certainly Stephanie's mother, I know she's quite a contentious character, but that's intentional because she's just sort of at her wit's end. And if you can imagine living, you know, having to deal with this and also looking after your daughter's daughter and just perhaps feeling like, when do I get a chance to just sort of live? And, you know, that like that, I think is kind of, it's a real feeling and you kind of, as as complicated as it is, I think it was, you know, that's, that's what um, is her character's doing in the story is sort of dealing with all those those feelings. Yeah, no, it felt it, yeah, it felt like it felt like the mother by is is almost like in treatment by proxy, you know, as because because yeah. she's she's doing all yeah. the all the ancillary living that the mother isn't able to do because she's yeah. in and out of yeah. rehab, and therefore the daughter becomes the grandmother's responsibility, which then means she's just continuing being a mother like in into infinity almost and i guess that must yeah. i guess when you've when you've i guess feather you've you've had the empty nest syndrome when the daughter would have left originally you know and and was getting on with her life this wasn't part of phase b of of being an adult mm mm Charm, Brook playing stephanie is uh, it i've and since i've watched your film i saw i watched the terror on bbc and I have to yeah. say, she's a bloody chameleon because I didn't, I didn't spot it was her till after the fact. I was like, "This is amazing!" Yeah. I didn't realize I watched the same actor. Um, so you know, props to on that front. That idea of being able to just be invisible in plain sight while being a character at the same time. Um, but in terms of that role and Shambrook taking it on, what what for you did she bring to the performance that maybe wasn't on the page and, and was sort of so pleasing for you as as the director first off i yeah i have to agree she's such a chameleon and actually i spoke to my dad the other day and he's he was like i think i saw shan brooke who was in your <laughs> film on on the terror and I, he did the same thing he was like i wasn't sure if it was her until the yeah. end and i was like that's why she's so amazing i, to, I was like doing the um, you know the classic check on the phone like, oh my god it is yeah yeah oh shan's just the best um she is the best kind of actor because she just is so committed. She's really, um, she's so smart and she, she wants, she wants to, she wants to know this person better than I do. And so we'd have a lot of quite in-depth conversations for her to get a sense of who Stephanie was and her background. And we, um, both, you know, read certain books about, war, uh, you know, bio, uh, biographies of uh, war photographers and things like that. Um, and she really got her teeth into it. Um, but I guess, you know, that, that that role and that the film as a whole, it could have quite easily been um, 
I didn't want it to be a sort of constant, likely hysteric level of emotional turmoil because nobody particularly wants to sit and watch that, right? I know Body of Water is a tough film, um, but it's not, um, there are a lot of, it, it, it operates on quite a, largely quite a subtle register. There are obviously higher, higher key moments and, and so on. You know, that's just inevitable. There's a range. Um, but I, I'm all about kind of trying to be understated and trying not to, um, to, and it was about letting like the moments between lines of dialogue and letting these moments linger, um, which is what so much, well, one of human interaction, but just obviously moments in families are like, there's so much that's unsaid. And um, a lot of the moments when they're um, eating together and they're all kind of watching what Stephanie eats sort of surreptitiously. um, And because there's several, there's several scenes where that happens. but yeah, to go back to Shan specifically, yeah, she just, she's, she, she was so committed. She wanted to do all the work and she obviously, you know, went, started trained and, and, um, went on a diet regime to, she lost about 30 pounds, I think, to play the role. Um, and that was tough, you know, that's really tough. That's meant, that's really challenging in a lot of ways. Um, and, but she wants, she wants to do it, you know, right. And she wants to do it authentically. And that was a huge asset to the production because, um, it might, it might, it wouldn't have worked as well. I don't think if anywhere near as well, if she hadn't been in it, (laughs) to be honest, how do you factor something like that into it? Is that, is that something you're saying at the, at the top end, you know, we're going to have to, you're going to have to lose weight or is this a conversation you have about what the role will be and will you lose weight? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was tough because, you know, it's a kind of you can't break an make an break an omelet. You can't make an omelet without breaking <laughs> eggs kind of scenario. Yeah. So obviously you're make you know, and earlier on in development, I'd had a. It wasn't actually even a, one of the developers. It was a friend said, "Do you not think kind of? Do you not think it'd be better make making a film about a character that's got bulimia because at least then it's not particularly tied to a certain look." Um, oh. and I. I was just adamant that it had to be this because it was the thing I want, you know. Um, and it, it it was, you know, talking to actresses about it. Um, there were a couple of great actresses that wanted to do it but weren't prepared to sort of lose weight or anything. And so you did, I did find myself in this weird position of being like, well, you kind of have to, you kind of have to for this role because it's, it's, it's what it's about. And obviously that kind of goes against a lot of my instincts as a woman, as a woman that's had these problems and as a, as a director in the 21st century, you don't want to be going to someone to say, but I think um, a lot of my nervousness around that was also like, uh, I wondered if I would have felt behaved the same if I'd been talking about a man's body. And then I think, I think that, that made me feel better about it because it's like when someone, when Christian Bale did like the machinist, I was nobody say, ever yeah. says, yeah, that was a bit... no one polices that in the same way, but with a woman's body, like everyone got a say in like, well, should you be asking her to do this? And it's like, well, she's still a professional. She, you know, she, she wants to do it. Yeah. It's a challenge for her. She's never had, she, we're not triggering anything that we, you know, she's never had any issues with food. 
So she was a safe, like, uh, and she was fine. And she sort of took it, put it on and took it off like her hat, really. But um, we had to be careful in the casting process about who we worked with because we knew the potential that if they had had a problem like this before, it might might trigger something off again. And yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. no film is worth that. So no, no, um, no. So yeah, it was a there was a lot of thought and conversation that went into it. And during her sort of training period, she was she worked with a um, nutritionist and a trainer and a therapist, and they all kind of um, just to sort of give her the support that she needed. So um, I think she found that great. But I, I I know that she she had you know, and she had to think quite carefully about whether she could do it as well in the end. Um, obviously, so. I guess the difference between Body of Water and the Machinist is the Machinist is 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 a kind of of a man who's literally self decomposing because of the the life he leads. It's not about the eating disorder, and you're you're addressing the subject direct and asking someone to commit to something that is the eating is is equivalent. It could be seen as the equivalent. That's true. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. Yeah, but but I'd never thought about it until you said it actually because because yeah, when 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 the Machinist was being made, it was all. Oh, he's smoking 20 fags and running six miles a day. That's how he's losing weight. And it was all big heroics. It yeah. wasn't, oh, we're worried yeah. about his mental state and will he will he, will he, he ever recover from this and will it trigger? It was never that. The PR tale was no. never that at all, was it? No. Yeah, it's interesting that. It's um, very interesting, isn't it? Indeed. So uh, 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 you said to yourself about leaving the gaps and stuff, and I think that's... That's always the great sign of a good drama is where you feel like the family have had these conversations before, so they don't need to have them again. So silence does yeah. does does happen, and that's that's a sign of people knowing each other for be- for good or bad, no matter how they feel about each other. If you've said it a hundred times, then just because yeah. you're pointing the camera at them at this point, they don't they won't necessarily want to be saying it again in in that moment of the film. Um, I mean, it, it's it must be difficult that in terms of you know, wanting to, I mean, you always want the audience to get what they see as opposed to get what mm-hmm. they get told all the time. How did you find that? Did, 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 did some dialogue get lost in the, in the production itself? Like where you, you realized it just wasn't needed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's a couple of scenes obviously that got chopped, mm. uh, a couple, you know, things get rearranged, things get chopped and quite a lot of the dialogue got, got, not not that much, but a reasonable amount. I think I'd been um, had quite a judicious uh, dialogue trim before the final draft was shared with actors at all. Okay. Um. So yeah, uh, I think it strikes quite a good balance. I mean, there's obviously things I would do differently now, but it was my first feature, so no, no, it no. It, it, bree- it breathes. Yeah. It breathes. No, 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 no. You're going to say it breathes. No, no, lovely. no. It's, oh, thank you. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, I always do that. So I always get into post, and I'm like, oh, these the lines sound like you know. It's really weird because yeah, you just see the the actress seeing your lines, and you're like, oh. Um, so yeah, I always trim quite a lot out. Uh, but I think that's so that's just inevitable. But that that's the great thing about editing. That's the thing I love about editing. Oh yeah, I um, guess I guess we do we do what we we write it, we produce it, and then we edit it, and then the audience yeah. watch it, and then decide whether it was right or wrong. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you, ultimately you a cruel world in the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Is it? Do I pronounce it Fabian Pialoni Castle? Is that right? Paulini, Paulini Castle. Paulini yeah. Castle, who oh, plays yeah. Pearl, the daughter. Yeah, yeah. 
Now, yeah, there's a young actor playing playing a role that relies on a on a, on a whole gamut of emotions. There's the there's the confrontations with her and the resistance of her mother that wants to that wants to get back with her. Plus, there's the being a teenager growing up and being discovering you're a young woman as well at the same time as combined with a little. I get I'm guessing a little bit of the the youthful rebellion of being young, basically. Um, in terms of playing a role like that, where the actor might not have obviously, I mean, actors are obviously drawing, trying to draw on experiences and emotions they may be able to mirror in terms of what's needed for a scene. Maybe with, a, with a young actor, you've not necessarily got all of those emotions in check. So how do how yeah. do you balance that as a director and and the actor? Um, I think Fab always Fab always felt like she was basing this character on her little sister, which is mm. funny. She said that right away. She's like, she's basically my little sister. Mm. And I was like, okay, that's useful. Um, I mean, she, I saw a lot of girls for that role. And the thing I liked about Fab is she's got a sort of hardness to her. There's actually, she's the sweetest person, but she can, I think there's, there's a, a sort of, she doesn't let her guard down that easily. Mm. And I thought that was sort of, that was sort of natural with her. So, um, that was really useful. And as a director, I think that that played quite well against the Stephanie character who's so keen to obviously as you would be to mm. um to rebuild this sort of crazy um melted relationship. Um but yeah, I think with Fab, you know, she we did a bit more rehearsal with her. You know, she's she's not as she wasn't obviously as experienced with as Shan and mm. um, Amanda. And they just want, you know, they they sort of just wanted to come and be on set and just sort of do it. You know, they, they don't want to spend ages rehearsing. I think they want to keep it quite fresh. So there was a, that was a little bit of a contrast, but they were all very, it was a really supportive set. Um, They were really encouraging of her. And I think she learned a lot, Um, but she, uh, she worked really hard. She had loads. Yeah. As you say, she had a huge range of, emotions and changes to go through in the story. And um, I think uh, it, it was just a case of sort of drawing those to the surface. But, um, you know, it was, yeah, working with her and, and again, working on her character with her and getting her to understand that this is a girl that's been, that feels abandoned and is so hurt. And um, that's, that's, the, that's the sort of catalyst for so much of her behaviour is just... Uh, and that sort of ha- that does happen quite a lot with um, with teenagers, and when you know if there's a breakup or if whatever happens with their parents. Um, so uh, I think there was a lot for her to connect with, and she got so much support from the other actors. So that was all really good. Yeah, you got you got you got the sense of the way that that, that her character had had almost parked the mother as a problem that she can never solve. So therefore, she was moving yeah. on with her life, and then you get this weird inverse, yeah. which is the needy mother versus the stoic daughter, which is <laughs> kind of a, yeah. it's a weird contrast, yeah. isn't it? But it felt very real and very frightening yeah. for both of them. Yeah. Um, I think it's, you know, it, it, yeah, yeah, that's a really good way of putting at it. It's like, putting it is just like, yeah, that's just a bit of a role reversal of what we would expect, but it doesn't, it, and I think that was, Another nice, like, interesting thing about this story was it was playing with a lot of like the stereotypes and flipping them around. So yeah, um, and with and with Amanda Burton's character as the mother, you got the sense yeah. that she just wanted to bang heads and go, "For goodness' sake, we're going to have to sort this out." You know, this know, is, this, this can know. be fixed. It can, honestly. I got this far, but which obviously is yeah. underestimating the real problems that that Stephanie's 
having to endure. But yeah. I guess in the moment when you're under your own roof and seeing interactions around a table or in a sitting room, it just feels like this is a family matter. Let's just sort it out. What were your initial conversations with um, Darren Bragg from a cinematography point of view? Um, what, what, and what did you cover in terms of how you wanted the look and feel to fit the look and feel of the film in the start? You know, in your first that first conversation where you, you're already kind of beginning to see it, and you think you're right. This is what I want it to look like. So, was there any particular influence discussed or identified during that process, or was it more abstract than than, than other films? Um, well, I'm, I hadn't worked with Darren before, and um, I met a lot of DOPs for this as well. Hmm. Um, and the thing I liked about Darren was he um, came with a bunch of books to our meeting and he was the only person that did that. And he had, you know, earmarked certain um, images. And I just thought that was a really nice considered thing to do. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's just a bit different. And I think there was something about that I found. I mean, I, I can't actually remember what a lot of the images were. I think he pulled up a lot of um like Lynn Ramsey and some nice photography and stuff like that. Um, but that, that, you know, that considered uh, way of approaching it was um, sort of what I wanted for this. I didn't want it to be, as I said, frenetic um, up in our face because there's a lot of, there's so many emotions in play here that it could have been too much. Um, so uh, it, the yeah, we I, I had quite a clear idea from early on in the script development about how I wanted it to look. And I was looking at references like Safe by Todd Haynes hmm. and um, Jean Dielman, which is this Chantal Ackerman film from the 70s. Oh, I don't know that one. And uh, it's got, look, they have, you know, they both have really long takes where they let stuff hmm. play out. Unfortunately, we just didn't have the, like there, there were certain things that we could do quite like that, but we didn't have, quite the same scope of locations to do that. But mm. anyway, um, I think, so there was that, those influences trickled into it, but then um, there was uh, the progression of the uh, camera works or works in, in tandem with uh, Stephanie's mental state. So it sort of unravels a bit, like at the beginning, it's a, it's a lot more controlled and static and, and away from her. And then it kind of goes a bit, gets a bit more unraveled as she mm. unravels. So, um, that was that was the language that we had developed together but he you know we worked really well together um i would you know he's one of my go-to people now because he's just he's 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 wonderful he's got a fantastic eye um but you know he we you know we were just really good at sort of figuring out what emotions we wanted to um get out but where where we wanted to also just let stephanie and it was usually Stephanie, um, sort of be be in front of the camera and 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 sort of show show where she was at emotionally. Um, so uh, no, Darren, yeah, Darren was brilliant. And and, that, and you, you mentioned you mentioned it earlier, but it was something that I re- that I really found sort of compelling about your film is that was almost like that intrusive nature of the camera where where obviously we we're, mm. we're usually treated to a performance in a film that's the point of us watching it but in a way there was there was parts of it where i felt like we were privy to something that maybe we weren't meant to be at some point you know there's a real edge to it yeah where, how's, yeah. how's that how do you design that into a sequence when you're shooting it um i mean i think 
a lot of it is to do with um, the intimacy that we are built, we build with Stephanie over time. Mm. Um, and that, as I said, there, there's like those key moments that are quite repetitive, like with her running and eating. Mm. And as they progress in the film, you know, the sound design changes and we sort of incorporate body sounds and just weird stuff that you don't normally hear. And then there's the bit in the supermarket where she sort of freaks out um, because she can't like, she's just all too much. And we sort of, we learn, we're sort of trained how to be in her head and how to view and how her worldview is Mm. over the course of the film. Um, But that, yeah, that was a sort of, um, that was a, Part of the collaboration, I would say, and the sound designer, I think, was a huge was a huge help in that, and she did a great job of, um, you know, figuring out ways to, you know, it, it's quite if if you listen to the soundtrack as much as I have, <laughs> obviously, like the layers of those body noises and stuff, like it can, it really gets you know it really sets your teeth on edge. No, no, um, there is there's this. I was I was fully um, I was fully headphoned in, so yes. Um, it's, yeah. it, it gets yeah. to you. I watched um, yeah. Picnic and Hanging Rock recently, and which is which is um, obviously yeah, a, a very strong period drama. But it's interesting how sound design elevates that to almost like horror. You're beginning to feel on edge, yeah. like you're watching horror film. Yeah. And, and in a sense, that that's part of Body of Water is that yes, we are watching a family drama as they fall apart from each other, but actually the turmoil that Stephanie's going through is, is a, is an addition to that breakdown of the family. And so that has to sound like, like you've added to the film. It's definitely flirted with horror. Um, I think at some points it would have gone more far, further down the horror route mm. um, because I was quite inspired by certain body horror films. Like there's a French film called in my skin mm. uh, from the nineties, I think. And it's uh it's um, one of these, I can't remember the director's name, but basically it's about a woman who has an accident and, and she's got, she sort of hurts her leg, but then she becomes kind of obsessed with the wound and then she sort of starts to eat herself. I know that sounds really disgusting. So there, there It sounds there like were, a film I should see, to be honest with you. I think you definitely should see it because it's great if you like that kind of body horror stuff. And I thought it was like, I wanted to love Raw and I just didn't. And I, but in her skin is like so much better than Raw, but it's sort of in that world. Um, so uh, yeah, there's drafts that definitely pushed it further down that route. But um, in the end, the film became a bit more poetic, I suppose. And that was a lot to do with the sensitivity of um, the performance and, um, and what, you know, what we were able to do. Um, so, you know, it, it's just interesting, like how the development process can kind of change a film or not, or whatever it does. Um, because it did, it did go down those routes and it, it definitely went down a few, you know, dead ends. Over the last few years, Safe has certainly been reappraised as, as a, as a horror film. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, even though there's, there's barely a... There's barely a visceral moment on screen, but it's obviously a nightmare. The bit where she gets the nosebleed, I always remember that quite vividly from um, from from Safe. I mean, it's just stunning, and all the, the well, everything the everything that's not white, I suppose, is yeah, gonna yeah, it's yeah. gonna be like, oh my god, you know, it's really visceral, isn't it? Because it's such a it's such yeah. a blank canvas of a film, isn't it? For so much of it, yeah, it's so clean, and her and her sort of 
like her sort of out of body performance is is quite you know it's very intense and um yeah love that film yeah more appre- more appreciation for safe is needed yeah yeah <laughs> Now, obviously, Body of Water is in reference to the seaside location, but obviously Body of Water is, obviously, we are made up of water as uh, as a majority yes. of what we are. But obviously we need yeah. food to function, which I guess is a part of maybe what you're trying to communicate there. But but the the look and feel of it is is being being a British seaside town is is quintessentially yeah. British. You know, it, it, you can differentiate the, 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 the location from its European or its American counterparts. And being being what appears to be out of season or obviously not a kind of, it's certainly not a Clacton on sea sort of um, seaside location. So it's not like, you know, the, the bright lights are just turned off for the winter or anything. Um, no. But, but it has, but that gives it a kind of sleepiness to in, yeah. in the mood of the place. Uh, like we're waiting for something, you know, like a town that's waiting yeah. for something to happen, which is in a way, and I might be overthinking this, but you know, in the sense of that's kind of what Stephanie's kind of waiting for this moment to happen where she can live and it's never mm. quite happening. But why why a seaside town is, is what I'm jumping around the houses for there. Um, well, I, I really, uh, I mean, I was interested in, Canvey because I have a couple of family members live in that area. Okay. And the wall in it, I don't know that the wall appears quite a lot. And I think that was quite an interesting binding tool because the, you know, we can get, it was quite easy to build a sense of characters, you know, regular places because there's this very distinctive wall. Um, and it's somewhere I hadn't seen so much, but also uh, the, you know, maybe it's, it's probably a bit cliched, but like, the you know, the idea of the sea uh, and the sort of open, you know, the openness of it, the possibility of it, but also the power and terror of it um, is something that, you know, is enduringly fascinating. So I'm not the first person and I won't be the last that thought, you know, that's a, it would be beautiful to be able to integrate that. Um, but exactly as you said, like all the um, thinking, you know, the film was called Sicker for a long time. Okay. And uh, that definitely has a, evokes a lot more of a horror type uh, vibe, I would say, or sensibility. Um, but it, it, after we sort of, it was really after we did the picture, we looked the picture like, you know what? I just don't think that I, that title just doesn't suit the film anymore. Hmm. So, I read, I was reading some poetry, as, as one does. I was reading a poem. And I <laughs> well, that's started, all you can do, really, unless you're writing it. <laughs> I know, yeah, that's true. Um, but I just, yeah, I'm aware that, you know, I just hear my Scottish uh, relatives being like, what? <laughs> Who do you think, you know? Um, pon- you know, a bit poncy, that. But um, anyway, so I was reading some poetry mm-hmm. and um, I saw the line about something, a line about body of water. And I thought that is really, it's a lovely phrase and it just has so many meanings. Mm. And obviously in the context of this, it's like, well, yeah, as you said, her body, you know, our bodies are made up of these elements and in order to, to flourish, you know, we are, we are doing this animal thing, but then she's reject, she's basically rejecting being an animal and mm. she's rejecting all of these natural things. Um, and also it's making her, you know, it's driven this wedge between her and her daughter, which is another of the most natural kind of relationships. Um, so it, it really seemed like a, a lovely kind of um, summation of that. Uh, 
but and also obviously the the um the landscape and so on and the end which i don't want to necessarily give away but um it was uh it just it it just it it sort of touched on so many of those things um but then yeah the landscape i think was something that it, it, it i was you know i think good stories have a sense of their place and that feeds into the characters and you're right i think it was sort of um this sleepiness this sort of bore you know that like the thing like pearl being a bit bored and sort of going around mm. with her own kind of guys and you know not really having a lot to do have you have um, you seen andrew hume's film the devil inside no but i've heard of it which is set in yeah. suburbia in mansfield and and when i interviewed him about it i i said that and i i said that it captures a mundanity which sounds like a criticism but actually no. That is a, fa- a facet of British life because not all of it is Piccadilly Circus, is it? Yeah, exactly. And actually, you know, those kinds of places, I think, when there's when they're a bit quieter and, it, it, you know, there's some really dark stuff going on. Mm. I actually, I think that film County Lines was set in Canvey as well. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yeah, Canvey. yeah, yeah. So Canvey now seems to be a hotbed for film production. But actually... The nice thing also about shooting there just on a practical level was that they were so accommodating and lovely mm. because they just weren't as jaded and sick of seeing film, you know, indie filmmakers as people <laughs> in London. You know? So they were like, oh, yeah, OK. You know, they gave us really good deals. And it was like, and like, you know, it was nice for the community yeah. to have a film produ- a, f- a film going on. And um, so that was a, that was a, a nice thing about it, I have to say. Uh now yeah, this is this, my final question is a bit cheesy, as, and, and it's it's one I, have, I sort of have to ask when people come on with first features is um, not at all is um, is what, what and for the for the filmmaker listening who hasn't gone and made their feature yet what what would be what what's the kind of what's a lesson learned that you think you're going to be taking forward into other productions that you got from a feature film that you hadn't got from other shorter productions you'd worked on in the past? There's a few things I think I would take away from making this. One is you know, being patient, but striking the right balance between being patient and also being tenacious and not taking any nonsense because uh, there's a lot of first features that don't end up getting made and that fall down and we all, you know, films, films fall down in development all the time. And obviously no one wants to be one of those. So Mm -hmm. um, I think I, I think I on the right and the whole had really good collaborative relationships. So picking the right people and making sure you trust those people because it's going to get gnarly, even if it doesn't seem like it's going to get gnarly. Um, and I think, I think I know myself a lot better and I, I think I'm going to be a, a lot less sensitive about, you know, I think it's, it's normal to be quite sensitive, especially when you're writing about subjects that are close to your heart or you feel come from a, a personal place. Yeah. Um, but I think just making sure that I kind of keep a sort of, like keep a bit of separation and I'm not so emotionally invested in it because that made it hard to step away sometimes and it can't not. And, you know, I think that also made me push it forward and get it made, but it also made it hard to kind of put it, put it to one side sometimes. So yeah. it can become a bit all consuming. Um, and I know that's the same for So it's sort of finding the balance really. Uh, but that's much easier said than done, especially if, and you know, you need to care, like you need to love the project more than anyone else. So, um, I think committing to projects that you love, but also finding finding a balance and, and sort of trying to develop a couple of the things that you you know at, at the same time, just to sort of keep your 
keep yourself a bit balanced about it is probably the best thing. And picking the right collaborators. Um, always, always, always. Because <laughs> you're going to be with these people for a long time. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I can I can well understand. I can well understand. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, look, um, thank you very much for giving us your time on the Britflix podcast. Some of you might remember Stephanie. She was last with us four, five years ago. Get me a copy of your eating plan. So good to see you. Mom, will you speak to her for me? You've got to try a bit. Why has it got to be my problem? Because you're her daughter. That's a precious thing. This is Sean, my nurse. Hiya. Hi. Seven months I was there. Didn't think about coming to see me. This picture of how perfect it was going to be when I got out. I just wanted to talk to you. I don't want to. I'm not like you. I'm not a victim. She is still my daughter. You were never there. Is that what you like? To play hero? You must be strong. I'm tired of being strong. I'd rather be the sick one. Because then at least I'd know where I am. You know, this is going nowhere but down. You're not fit to be a parent. Do you want to end up like her? No. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. 
but nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.